Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with around 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. I'm Gordon Leppard, uh, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates, and these gentlemen here. Glad to be with you. Well, Glad we're to excited you. to have you have you all with us today. <laughs> Everybody with us Everybody. today here on our fourth anniversary. Yes. Four years <laughs> now. Four years doing the Money this, Doctor's yeah. been been doling out prescriptions, and uh, it's been it, fun. It has been fun. It's been a great four years, and we got many more to come. Let's so. hope so. So hang with us here. But, uh, yeah, right here on the uh, beginning of 2015, um, you know, we got a great show lined up for the day. We've got some exciting stuff to talk about here to gear up for the new year. Yeah, but, I mean, what a better present than Carolina winning their bowl game. I mean, that was fantastic. Finally. You guys have to admit. Finally, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, come on, give us some props. After all that, you do have a winning season. Barely. Yeah, barely. Right. Squeezed in. I think it was even more amazing than that, though, is the way that Clemson showed up against Oklahoma. Yeah, that was impressive. And Georgia, what, yeah. you know, did, yeah. Yeah, really yeah. Put Georgia a down, put so. it to them. They're, they're, yeah, that guy Chubb, man, for Georgia, he yeah. just stepped up. And he's going to be like fun him. to watch over the next couple of years. No doubt. If no you're doubt. a Georgia fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah no doubt. Yeah, good, good time so, of the year. Yeah, so, you know, the Southeast finished very well yes. in the football season, so we're excited about that. But we won't, we won't drum on about that too long here. Let's uh, get back to the finances <laughs> here of it, but uh, that's exciting. Yeah, we do have a great show lineup for today. You know, it, check us on our website, moneymd.net. Also, you can, uh, you can stream us right there off our website in the upper right-hand corner, as well as listen to all of our podcasts are linked to us right there off of moneymd.net. So if you missed an old show... Shows again. There's there's so much meat in here. You got to listen more than once anyway. Oh, absolutely. We, exactly. we provide a lot of nuggets, right? We do, we do, and the nuggets are going to continue coming today, guys. Um, we have uh, financial resolutions for 2015 here. You got it's time to make this year count. Always a positive time of year, isn't it? It is. You know, I mean, it's time to look back, kind of look at what's happened in 2014 with your finances, but also gear up for the new year. There's a lot you can do, and you need to make some some New Year's goals and resolutions, and we have them here for you. Yeah, that's good. And we're going to follow up with that with an article about um, about investing. It's a, it's a really gar- good article. We, we see a lot of information about this company out there. It's called Dalbar. They do an annual study of investor behavior, and um, they've been doing this for uh, about 20 years now. And, um, you know, they look back at historical returns of the market. We're going to dive into that. A lot of investors hurt themselves with um, some of the choices and the emotions that, that the market causes. So we're going to dive into that, tell you some things not to do in your situation. So stick with us. Yeah, that's always a very insightful study to look into, and uh, there's a lot to g- gain from that. Yep. So tune in. Then we'll wrap it up uh, taking a look at some things that you can steal your taxes uh, for the year 2014. So, you know, you, you have a certain period of time 
Right, into the new year. Well, wait a second, it's 2015. That's You're what saying I'm saying. There's still stuff to do. There's still stuff that can be Man, done. you got to stick around. Yeah, a few tips on that. <clears throat> yeah, good one. That That's a great topic because it is getting tax time here, mm-hmm. and so you don't want to miss what's left that you can do to affect stick your taxes. Stick it to Uncle Sam. Lower the bill. You stick it to the man. <laughs> stick it to the I like man. it. Exactly. Okay, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the uh, Census Bureau. And, guys, you know, I, when we sit down with, with clients and we start doing planning, I, I get the comment a lot of times, you know, we, we like to do planning um, <clears throat> and see the client's money last age 95. That's kind of the benchmark. And the comment, um, yeah, I'm not going to live that long. I'm not going to be there until uh, 95. A lot of them say 85. Some of them say less than that. But, you know, medical technology is um, extending our lives. And, and so here's the stat. Back in 1980, um, Americans that were aged uh, 100 years or more in 1980. In 1990, that more than doubled to about 36,000. And by 2012, there were over 88,000 Americans that were over the age of 100. So, wow. I mean, people are living longer. It's just a fact. I mean, medical technology is, is is rapidly changing and extending people's lives. So when you do planning, you know, you know, a lot of times the, the tables will say mid-80s is when most people pass away. A lot of people are living much past that, even, you know, greater than 100. Yeah, I'm planning to still be playing golf at 100. Do you really? I don't know about you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> are you going to be shooting your age Absolutely. at that point? Yeah, I, I think I can yeah. by then. That, tell you that's what, when I'll be able to shoot my age. I'll tell you exactly. what would be neat is to further down, you know, you're not quite there yet, Steve, but the closer you get to that age – Go ahead and call somewhere and make a tea. Now, you know, five, ten years. years. Yeah. <laughs> it's only a couple of years out anyway. So, but my, my yeah, grandmother's ninety nine. Shoot for my grandmother's ninety nine years old. So she's and she's you know pretty good health. And um, so we see that. So when you do planning, you got to plan for you know it's true. You know, long long uh, retirement. You know? Yeah, I mean, planning for eighty five is in your financial plan just doesn't get it cut cut it anymore. Yeah. You really need to plan. We we always run ours out to at least ninety five. Mm-hmm. But you know, a hundred's not unreasonable. <clears throat> exactly, and so. it's, it's way better to overshoot the mark than sure. to fall short. That's you right. know, absolutely. I'd much rather have it and not need it than yeah, you don't need have, it and not have it. You know, you don't want to have too much life at the end of your money. You know, you'd rather have so. <laughs> absolutely. Good point. All right, great financial fact of the week. That leads us up here to our first article and first topic, and that is financial resolutions for 2015 for this year. It is time to make this year count, and um, we have some great. Uh, tips here for looking at your your uh, resolutions for this year. Some of these come out of Investopedia. Andrew Schwartz was the contributor to this. But um, okay, so we're in the new year. It's about what you're going to focus on this year. I know everybody plans to lose a little weight, exercise a little more regularly. I am with you. It is definitely time to start the diet plan <laughs> for this year. I mean, maybe even plan to take a special vacation, acquire some new skills. I think that's a great idea. But what about your financial goals and resolutions? It it is time to get serious and make this year count, and that starts with knowing how you did in 2014. Um, you know, there's a good chance you you set some resolutions last year, and if they're like most people, they didn't stick. According to a report from the University of Scranton, only about eight percent of us actually achieve. Our New Year's resolutions. That's not real good. That's not great. It's not. <laughs> that's and a that's, failing grade. Yeah. I mean, mine stick for a little while, you know, like the diet plan resolutions. Mm-hmm. They, they last for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Into February, maybe. Yeah, right. And then gradually, you know, it comes back. But uh, but the financial ones, I mean, we've had some good ones that, that we did, did accomplish for sure. And uh, 
but but you got to try. If you don't have goals, regardless of how many times you failed, if you don't have goals, you will not reach anything. Right? Was it Zig Ziglar that said, "If you shoot for nothing, you'll hit it every time"? Yeah, that's exactly. Right. You know, that's so true. That's exactly right. So the good news about New Year's resolutions are that you get a fresh crack at them each year. And so here are some for this year, and it starts with calculating your net worth. Yeah, I'd really like that one, Steve. Um, You know, a lot of people don't do this, and this is a great way. It's a good snapshot. Um, It's basically where you put your your assets and your liabilities down. You see how they've changed over the year. Um, And you can do this if you do it over the course of time. You know, over you know three, four, five, ten years, um, you can see some some pretty good changes. So, you know, again, net worth is basically just a step to uh, assessing your financial health and also reaching your financial goals. So, you got to look at all your assets, all your liabilities, and it really gives you a, a much clearer picture and helps you prioritize your current spending. Um, it may also help you focus on some of your weak area acts at big picture. So this is a, a really good one. It's not real hard to do. Um, right. you just get a couple of numbers and add and subtract, but it gives you a good snapshot of where you stand. Yeah, I don't think you want a simple spreadsheet or, or you know take one of the forums off of Mint.com or some mm. of the places out there on the Internet and, and re- calculate your net worth each year and keep track of it. It really brings into focus you know, how you're making progress towards your long-term financial goals, it lets you spot if there are any any problems creating, like overwhelming debts, you know, that are building up in your situation. Um, and like I said, there are many of website great websites out there like Mint.com that you can do that on. Um, the resolutions that you need will become a lot more obvious after you make that calculation. So calculate your net worth. That's the first one. Second one here is to reset your retirement savings. You know, at work, you probably have the opportunity to save for retirement through a 401k and get a match, um, like most plans or some other retirement plan. And if so, you need to consider the fact that most people who are successful at maxing that outage here, they do it by budgeting a set amount to come out of your paycheck every single month. Um, so, you know, you need to you need to budget at least 10% as our kind of target mm-hmm. that we would suggest in your 401k plan. You know, get it up to 10%. You can do that by, you know, if you're at 6% now, increase it 1% each quarter till you hit the 10% mark. Um, you'll get used to that deduction. You really won't miss the money, but you need to get that, get that yeah, do it retirement contribution that's, up that's there. That's a great way of doing that. that and once, once you hit that 10%, then um, you have some other alternatives to look at, you know, such as the Roth. Roth is a wonderful tool. Uh, you can put up to $5,500 a year. Uh, up to age 50, and after age 50, you can put up to $6,500 uh, a year. This money is going to be tax-free, you know. We know what taxes are now, but mm-hmm. we have no idea what they're going to be in the future. And so having some form of tax-free income uh, is going to be extremely important yeah. at that time. So great it's a great part, to, part of your retirement plan, if nothing but just a small portion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The Roth, you know, is is after-tax money you put in. So you don't get the deduction up front, but it's tax-free when you take it out. And that is very, very powerful in retirement. And I think those savings are going to be much greater than, than the deduction that you might obtain now. Yeah, who knows what the tax rates are going to be in 30 years, yeah. so you know, or even Agreed. 10 years for that matter. So, you know, take advantage of the Roth. So... Okay, we'll continue these when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred wealth provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young and Associates. And uh, we are continuing our discussion here before the break about financial resolutions for this year, 2015, guys. I mean, we're already into a new year. Yeah, I know. And it's time to get serious. Yep. Time to make it count. Make some changes. Exactly. And um, so, you know, it's you got to set some goals. Um, like Zig Ziglar said, right? I mean, if you shoot for none, for you, zero. That's right. Shoot for nothing, you'll hit it every, every time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. you, you got to have some goals for the year. And they need to be, there needs to be some financial goals. Everybody has the weight loss goals and, you know, maybe some goals about your family relationships. I mean, those are great. You need to have those, but you also need to have financial goals. So, and the first step is knowing where you're at, right? You have to calculate your net worth, do a simple spreadsheet, know where you're at. Um, you know, look at last year, know where you were at last year, and what kind of progress you made in 2014 toward your goals. But but then it's time to turn over a new leaf, make some goals for 2015. Um, you know, one of those is to reset your retirement savings. <clears throat> we talked about that. Already, if you're not at 10% in your 401k plan, we recommend you get at least to 10% in your 401k plan. That way, when you get your match, maybe you get another 3% on top of that. That's 13% of your salary. 15 is our target. You know, yeah. round that out with a Roth IRA. Yeah. If you're, a, you know, if you meet the income limits for it. Um, so 15 is kind of the overriding target. We think it's a good idea to get your 401k plan up to 10%. Yeah, and 15% is pretty daunting for a lot of folks. So like um, I, you know, I like the suggestion that you had is you know start at a level and then increase it every quarter by 1%. And eventually you, you, you just don't, you don't miss it. Um, exactly. You know, it, it becomes part of you know, what, your, what your lifestyle is. So. And some people I know they like to increase it like 1% a year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay if you start early, you know, but... You know, if you're 40 years old, uh, spreading out over four up. years, yeah. that's 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 too slow. I mean, you need to make it happen. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, let's do it 1% a quarter and, and get up to that 10% level pretty quickly. Well, you know, one thing that can help that, Steve, that you're going to touch on in just a moment is reducing your debt or, or, or looking at your debt. Because as you reduce your debt, exactly. then you've got more income that you can put toward that. Mm-hmm. So I'll that's, let you speak to that a little more uh, as we move on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that that's really the next one here is to update your savings and your debt reduction goals. Have a goal for that. You know, creating easy access to your funds, it can be very tempting. But if you're like most people, you're going to spend money that you can easily get your hands on right, to. Right. So it helps to, for you to reach your goals if those amounts are kind of out of reach. So you want to, to move money you know, routinely into a savings account, something that's designated separate savings account than your checking account, get it out of reach so it's not easily accessible. Even better yet, you know, get it invested. We'd like to see it get into a Roth IRA, get it into a after-tax uh, investment account um, so that it's actually invested. And that way, you're going to be a lot less tempted to spend that money if you've, if you've already earmarked it and gotten it out of your checking account. So that's step one. So make that a goal. You know, figure out how much you're going to need. Set, Take a few minutes, set some goals for 2015, including how much you're going to add to your retirement and your savings each year, your kid's education fund, or a down payment on a home, you know, or maybe that dream vacation. That's, that's my favorite. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, earmark that money and have a goal for that and set it up right now. And then 
um, you know, reset how much you plan to pay toward your loans, your debts, and when you want to get your mortgage paid off. I think I think one of the powerful things that we're talking about is is telling your money where to go. Dave Ramsey talks about that a lot. It's just sitting down and consciously, you know, making priorities and writing checks. And one of those you just mentioned is maybe, um, you know, paying some extra on the principal of the mortgage each month. I yep. mean, by doing so, you'll basically earn a risk-free return on that money, which is uh, equal to your mortgage interest rate. Plus, you'll cut down on the number of years uh, paying off your mortgage. And, and, Gordon, as you mentioned, if you can get through that, you can, you know, maybe save more for retirement. You know, certainly if you're not saving for retirement enough, <clears throat> retirement is ahead of paying off the mortgage. Dave Ramsey talks about baby step four being 15% saving Baby step six is actually paying off your, your mortgage early with college in between there. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely you can't get a loan for retirement. You can get one for college. So you got to make, make sure you got the retirement bucket filled up first. Yeah, that's a great one. <clears throat> yeah, and the key with your mortgage is ensure this paid off well before retirement. But the sooner you get it paid off, then the more money you're going to have to slam toward your other priorities. So that's a great one. Um, you know, some other resolutions here. Uh, get well diversified and rebalance your portfolio. You know, you need to have a lot of asset classes represented in your portfolio to remain truly diversified. And like past years, some asset classes performed really well and and others didn't. I mean, this past year, 2014, U.S. large stocks were really one of the big winners last year. And it's always tempting to load up on what has done well recently. Um, but avoid that temptation. You know, make sure that you're well diversified. Research shows that if you rebalance some out of the best performing asset classes into the lower performing asset classes inside your portfolio, then you're going to increase your return over time. And it also helps you to stay at the appropriate risk level instead of getting top heavy in the recent winners. Uh, another one here is pay down your credit cards pay down or eliminate uh, your credit cards if possible. We we actually had a plastectomy, as Dave Ramsey would say, uh, probably, gosh, seven years ago or mm-hmm. so or, or better, that we have not touched or used, you know, credit cards in just years and years and years. Yeah. And you hear a lot of people that say, man, I can't do that. You know, I have to have this or I have to have that. In fact, I was talking with a uh, business owner the other day who said, you know, I, I just I don't have – you know, X amount of dollars, $600 or $1,000 just to throw down on something. And the thought that ran through my mind was, well, man, you really need to take a look at how you're running your business mm-hmm, then, you mm-hmm. know. No matter how large or small that is, that's not a lot of money, really, Yeah. yeah. you know, for, for those type of things. But, you know, psychologically, when you use plastic, you don't feel it as much. And so we tend to overspend, you know, as a society, uh, the, the more plastic that we use. Now, there are some people who are very uh, disciplined, and they can pay that stuff off, you know, as they go. But, you know, for the majority of people, yeah, I, I would definitely stay away from that if possible. So. Exactly. That's a great one. Yep. Another one here is to review your credit report. You know, you, you get your annual credit report free now, um, and it, it takes some steps to repair the negative items on your credit report, but you need to, you need to know... Uh, <laughs> You need, you need to know that what what is bad on your credit sure, report. Sure. And the way you can do that is by going and getting your free annual credit report each year. And you, you get three of those now, from one of them from each of your three credit reporting agencies. So what you need to do is go on annualcreditreport.com, um, you know, pull up your credit report, 
make that a priority this year. Put that as one of your goals and, you know, find out if there are any adverse things on your credit report that you need to repair. So that's a good one. Dave Ramsey tells a story. He went to, to research that, and they basically sent him a letter saying, um, <clears throat> we're sorry we couldn't find your credit score. Um, you know, they assumed that maybe he was dead or something. Some, <laughs> something really funny, a form letter he got back. So anyway, um, the next one here on the list is looking at life insurance, disability insurance. I mean, as you move through your career and your life, um, you know, your insurance needs will, will definitely change. So you got to give some thought to how much protection uh, you have. You know, do you need term or permanent? Um, you know, I met with a, a client this last week and uh, close to retirement, <clears throat> has a pension, Social Security coming in in a couple of years, half a million dollars in in, uh, in a 401K, and he has a, like a $40,000 whole life policy, you know, still paying mm-hmm. about 700 bucks a year on, um, just doesn't really fit into the overall need at this Not point. Not a good so policy in that situation. Just, yeah, yeah, step back and just take a look at it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Need to review your life insurance every single year. So that's one needs to stay on the list. Yeah, uh, so the bottom line here is, you know, be cautious about setting too many or unrealistic financial goals. Um, but you need to have some financial goals. And, and otherwise, I mean, you're not, you may not be able to accomplish all of them, but take the opportunity to restate your financial resolution simply and clearly for the new year. Maintain a list of your goals. Keep track of how you're doing throughout the year so that you can make the necessary modifications and, and then score yourself at year end. Um, and you also build up some accountability. Uh, it, you should build up some accountability in your goals. So maybe sharing with a financial advisor uh, your spouse, family member, but, you know, you need to have financial goals. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's not on the list that we talk a lot about and that kind of facilitates all this is just doing a budget. Uh, I sat down with a couple this last week and helped them. Actually, we went through all their details and set up a budget for 2015. It's the first time they've ever done it before, and they, they found out that, and they knew it, but they're spending more than they make. Well, and what was their age out, range? <clears throat> they were in the early 30s. Yeah. And um, they're, they're struggling, and so we went through some details, but at least gave them a clear picture of what they need to work on right. um, and you know, kind of focus areas as well. So the budget has to be in that, this process. Yeah, if you don't have a budget, that should be first on the list, no doubt. So, okay, good topic. We'll continue this when we come back from our break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at, du- at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back to these messages and GMA News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to lead off our, our next segment here with a new topic, How Investors Hurt Themselves. Um, but first, we're going to start off here, though, with the question of the week. Yeah, yeah, the question of the week um, and Steve, I know we've we've gotten some questions uh, recently from clients, and um, I see a lot of articles and, and news commentary about this. And it says, you know, the market's up. You see on the nightly news, the Dow Jones hitting record highs, S and P five hundred record highs. <clears throat> a lot of people look at that and say, well, my portfolio should be up equivalent. Well, right. If you have a diversified portfolio, which includes small cap stocks and international stocks and bonds and so forth. It has not done as well, and uh, it did not do as well in 2014 Certainly because not. international stocks were, were down, and there's been a huge 
um, divergence, the difference between international returns and um, and U.S. returns. And I heard an interesting stat um, this last week. I actually heard it a couple different places. There have been four times since 1970 that the divergence between U.S. and international has been this large. And the year after that, in all four cases, the average return that international outperformed the U.S. was 14%. There you go. Now, we're not trying to predict anything here. No one knows. That's a very small data sample. But the point is, this has happened in the past, and things rotate in leadership. And right now, the U.S. large has done very, very well. Um, it's not prudent to have everything in one asset class, right? Exactly. You can't chase last year's performance, you know. And, yeah, I mean, if we were all sitting here in January of 2014 and we knew the S&P was going to have a banner year, sure, we'd all move our money there, but nobody has that crystal ball, and and it is fairly random. Yeah. You know, that's one thing history has shown us. There's no way to predict it. It does rotate routinely between asset classes. Chances are very good it's going to be a different asset class, and, you know, you, you got to stay diversified. And it's a matter of perspective as well. You know, if we lived in Europe, we'd be darn happy we were diversified worldwide That's right. out of our own country. Well, and you go back to the 2000 to 2009 time frame when the S&P 500 made, you know, zero. Right. And if you weren't diversified during that time frame and you were trying to retire, it didn't work out so well. Exactly. So you got to focus on the long term. Be diversified. Um you know, it's that's the prudent way to invest. I mean, you know, you can always be a Monday morning quarterback and and try to figure out what you should have done. But diversification has been a has been a good way to invest historically. Well, it's been during those times that people have been happy that they've been diversified. Then that they didn't take quite uh, quite quite the hit. Can I say two words? Tech bubble. Oh yeah, does anybody remember that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, 2000, you know, that, 2000. It's, it's amazing two. how people forget that. But I mean, the, the Nasdaq still not. <laughs> To where it was back in in 2000. I mean, that's That's 15 years later. It's it's always kind of like the mindset of what have you done for me lately. Yeah, right. You know, they're they're seeing the now and and what's going on, and especially, you know, you hear and see a lot of the talking heads Mm -hmm. uh, on TV and stuff. So, yeah, and I was just hearing analysts talk about this yesterday, and and they were talking about how that they really think uh, some analysts think that it's time for small stocks to pick up and to kind of resume that leadership. Who knows? But the point is, you know, it will change. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you just need to be patient, take a long-term view. That's a great question of the Hold week, the though. course. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and that leads up to our topic here, and that is how investors – I mean, I think this – I love this study that comes out every year from Dow Barn Associates. You know, they – I mean, they really look at history and tell mm-hmm. you what has the average investor done relative to the market. Yeah, this is chock full of data. I mean, this is just right up our alley. We we love talking about this because it's – you know, this is where we we feel like we provide, you know, value and other advisors out in the marketplace that, that see this and try to help their – their clients and there's a research firm. Um, this article is by Paul Merriman, by the way. Um, but there's a research uh, firm in Boston. It's it's called Dalbar, D A L B A R, and it uh, released its 20th an- annual. It's called the Quantitative Analysis of Investor Behavior. So Ooh. very very detailed. And and mm-hmm. so you may be saying, you know, should you care? And uh, the answer is yes, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, this is phenomenal information. In fact, you know, <clears throat> every serious investor. Um, you know, needs to know what's in this report. I mean, the title sounds a little scary about investors hurting themselves, um, but, uh, you know, you don't want to miss this. And and so here's the, some of the information. For the past 30 years, Dalbar has been collecting data on investors' uh, decisions about when to buy, sell, and exchange mutual funds. And so the firm, they, they've been doing this annual report since 1994, so about 20 years 
um, you know, they've been doing this report, and every year the conclusion is the same. On average, investors earn less than mutual fund performance figures, period. Sometimes they earn a lot less. Um, so on average, investors don't do as well as mutual funds. And furthermore, Dalbar has concluded that it's not the fault of the mutual funds. It's the fault of the investors. I mean, you know, in most cases, um, you know, the, the brokers and advisors are telling people to stay invested, but the behavior of the investor does exactly the opposite. And um, some of these stats are amazing. The, the latest report covers 30 years. It goes from 1984 to 2013. So it includes the crash of 1987, uh, and, um, and it also had some bull markets in there as well. But 30 years worth of data, and so we're going to kind of you know dive into the conclusions. I'm going to give you some stats here in a couple minutes that will that will blow you away. It's amazing the impact that investors have on their performance. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this is crucial information for the average investor to understand um, how not to hurt yourself mm-hmm. the way people have throughout history and the way the average investor hurts themselves. And one conclusion that come from this is no matter whether you're, the market is booming or busting, investor results are more dependent on the investor than they are on the fund's performance. Interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, investors who buy and hang on are consistently more successful than those who move in and out of the markets. And this is due, in a large case, to, to a combination of cost and bad timing of moving in and out of the market. You know, but for the data, I mean, Dalbar, they study mutual fund sales, redemptions, exchanges each month um, to reflect the investor behavior overall for investors as if the sum of all the inflows, outflows, and exchanges were made by a single investor. And that, that, that the hypothetical investor's return is regarded as the average return for the purposes of this study. And I think it's just a great way to yeah. look at the big picture of how investors hurt themselves. And, and so here's some of the highlights. Um, you know, they, they look at fixed income funds and allocation funds, but I'm going to be speaking specifically to stock funds. And, you know, when we talk about returns in the market, you know, we always put the disclaimer out there. We're not trying to predict, and past performance is not, you know, guarantee of future results. These are just historical numbers they show a trend, but in the 30 years from 84 to 2013, the S&P 500 index um, made about 11% per year uh, on average. And in that same time, the average mutual fund investor achieved only a 3.7% return. Ouch. Yeah. That's <clears> like, <throat> so here's the stat. 7.5% less. If you would have put $100,000 in 1984 at 11%, that would have compounded to $2.7 million. If you would have done that same amount at 3.7%, it would have been $300,000. So it cost them $1.8 million or couple something? A couple million. No. <laughs> no big deal. Not a lot. Yeah, not no. a lot. No big deal. You think yeah. that changes retirements? It, it Absolutely. You could have bought an index fund and gotten pretty much you know, close to what yeah. the S&P made. That is amazing. And then they look at it, you know, the past 20 years, index made 9%. The average investor only got 5%. Uh, in the past 10 years, the S&P 500 was up about 7.4%. The average investor return was uh, a percent and a half less than that at 5.9%. Now, I hear a lot of investors say, well, you know, percent doesn't make that much difference. $100,000 invested 10 years ago at 7.4% would have been 209000 so it would have doubled. Uh-huh. If you would have only made 5.9%, that would have been 180000 So that mistake cost them 29000 I yeah. don't know about you guys, but yeah, that's that, a lot of a lot of jack. 
Yeah, it is huge. And I would just, in a point of clarification here, this study looks at investors that invest in the stock market. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not due to investing in bonds versus stocks or having some of your money in fixed income. These are equity investors. That's right. Equities across the board. Exactly. And so, you know, these are people that, you know, rather than buying an index fund or a diversified portfolio and sticking to it, they moved money in and out. And that's what the average person does. And it's cost them big time. Yes. Well, John, you've talked about the last 30 and 20 years. Let's even bring it closer to home here. You know, 2013, above average, you know, for the U.S. Uh, stock oh, yeah, market. Definitely. Things went well. S&P uh, gained 32.4%. But overall, investors couldn't seem to settle down and accept these gains either. The, the average investor uh, last year, or you know, in 2013, was only 25.5%. You know, like you were saying, Steve, that's over 70% uh, difference there. That's that's huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the numbers change from year to year, but every Dow Bar report comes to the same conclusion. Investors' emotion based, you know, every single, just, it pushes them in the wrong direction. Every single report says the same exact thing. So instead I mean, of following the evidence, yeah. they follow the emotions. emotions. Yeah. And that's where they find themselves in trouble. Yeah, that's right. I think we'll go to a break now and cover the rest of it when we come yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Great topic, though. Um, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739 to MoneyMD. We'll be right back with these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner. I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Lepper, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we're continuing our discussion here before the break about how investors hurt themselves. Um, in the new release of the Dow Bar study, going back 30 years, I mean, it's just amazing. This information consistently, year after year, shows how investors are impatient, they're out there speculating, mm-hmm. moving in and out of the market, you know, making transactions that cost them and ex- with expenses. And together, it over the last thirty years, the S and P five hundred index uh, made about eleven percent. The average investor investor made three point seven percent, about Gosh. a third. So that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about some other numbers. We know emotional based trading is counterproductive. Is bottom line. There's a lot of news out there. Um, you know, we see it today with uh, with Russia and oil prices and and people moving in and out of the markets and um you know the lesson from all this data is that in the long term the study is crystal clear if you properly allocate your investments hang on to them through thick and thin um you're you know highly likely to get some pretty good returns um that doesn't mean that you'll always beat the markets or the indexes but it also doesn't mean that your returns will will you know be a, a half or a third of what the the markets are giving so we feel like that's one of the values we add to our clients is trying to keep them focused on a plan in the long term and kind of tune out all the noise because the average investor who who listens to the noise they don't make what the markets return right yeah that's exactly right yeah i mean in some and and they do outline some ways that you can help yourself not to fall so far short of the market um there are some steps that you can take to reduce the problem one of those is Set your expectations below the historic performance of the market indexes. You know, I mean, don't the market indexes are, a, are really a theoretical return, right? They have no cost involved with them. There's no transactions involved with it. Yes, you can get close to that, but, you know, there are costs involved. So set your, your expectations reasonable, okay? 
Um, second is control your exposure to risk. You know, I mean, you don't want to be 100% in equities probably anyway. You need to diversify. So, you know, have some reasonable expectations there about risk and return. Monitor your tolerance for risk. It needs to change over time, right? As you get closer to retirement, you need to reduce your risk. So have some reasonable uh, expectations there, and then make your forecast in terms of what's probable instead of what's possible. So, you know, set some very realistic expectations and – you know, set up your portfolio accordingly. Sure, sure. And there's a there's a couple other findings in here. This gentleman pointed out is that um, you know most of the time investors lose um, not during the declines but after the declines. Meaning, you know, they'll they'll stay through the decline and then they'll sell at the bottom and then they won't get back in until the market has gone back up and everything feels good. So, you know, that's one of the the takeaways is you know stay invested, be properly diversified, get in. You know, if you need some bonds in your portfolio to reduce the volatility. That's an action item that you can certainly take a look at. Um, you know, second is, um, you know, even though the evidence for buying and holding is is overwhelming, most people can't do that. I mean, the, the stats show that that's just not it's not ingrained into us. We get really caught up in our emotions. Um, and uh, so, you know, you got to stay focused on your plan as well. Yeah. Um, you know, investors in asset allocation funds, uh, that's those that include both stocks and bonds, are somewhat more successful. Uh, these invest for investors overall, they hold on to their shares longer uh, than other investors that are either just in stocks or just in bonds. So, you know, make sure that, that you are, again, like we keep saying over and over, well diversified mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, I, I think the takeaways from this, um, you know, is, you know, the study is clear. I mean, buy and hold over time has, has been pretty effective. Um, you know, Wall Street has a lot of noise. A lot of times they want you to buy and sell stuff. That's how, you know, they make money from transactions, generating income and so forth. But what we see as effective is having a plan, focusing on that plan, um, you know, taking control of debt and emergency funds. This is the thing that Dave Ramsey talks about. Um, we don't control the markets, but if we can control our emotions, historically, you know, we can be much better off than where we are today. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, good topic. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, the prescription of the yeah, week. Yeah, don't forget that. No, we Ms. can't do Dr. that. Dr. John. That's right. Uh, it kind of ties in a little bit with the net worth. Um, this is a financial summary. So this is where you list all your assets, liabilities. Um, maybe you have pensions, and you do account numbers, phone numbers, contacts. Just yep. a one one page sheet of paper. You put it into um, you know a lockbox, maybe at a bank or wherever. You share it with your loved ones. Something happens to you, they kind of have a roadmap um, of of your financial you know assets. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the the year end resolutions yeah, to set to calculate your net worth. You know, you can have it right there on your financial summary, along with your account numbers and where the, the assets are at, and phone numbers and that kind of stuff. So sure. I think that's a great way to do it, and that's the that's the way I do it each year. So, all right, and that leads up to our final topic here, and that is. Um, Tax savings for 2014. You know, it's not too late to to make some adjustments for for this past year and still save on your taxes. So we're going to talk about some of the things you can do for 2014, and also if you made contributions and things like that, some things that you might need to uh, to to do for that. Well, yeah, there there's still several places, Steve, that uh, people can look to to put away some money and. Uh you know, still get that deduction or benefit for the year 
2014. Um, so, where, where are some places that they could that they could start that you would suggest? Yeah, good question. Well, I mean, the obvious one is IRA contributions, right? I mean, you can make those all the way up to April 15th. Uh, if you're under 50 years old, you can put $5,500 a year into a regular IRA, depending on your income limits as to whether or not you can deduct that money. Right, right. Um, if you're over 50 years old, it's it's up to $6,500 per year. Again. Uh, this year and last year, um, you know, you can put it into a Roth IRA as well, and that's tax-free. Well, that, and if you're a business owner, then you also, uh, you might have the option of either a set plan or a simple plan as well. You exactly. Know, and, and, and those limits are different uh, with the simple. How much is that? Uh, up to about twelve. Yeah, five. Yes, $12,000. 12000 There's a $2,500 catch-up provision for right. a simple IRA if you're over 50. And then is, the SEP, yeah, this, is the SEP is 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 a lot bigger. It's twenty five percent of your income up to the the up to the, fifty thousand, I believe. Up to fifty, 52. yeah, I think it's like fifty two thousand, but it's also you know capped based on your. Well, that's capped based on your income, income. right? Your total income, and um, but I will mention this. I mean, you know, a simple and SEP IRA, you have to already have those plans set up. Those are company plans, right? They have to, yeah, they have to be in place, mm-hmm. in place already. But you have until. Technically, you have until January 31st to get the money in there because it's a company contribution that's supposed to come out of your paycheck. Mm -hmm. But the company has until January 31st to to get the money in there. Most custodians, though, I've experienced, they allow you to put that money in there all the way up to, you know, up to tax filing time. So, uh, you know, but you need to go ahead and get it in there. You can still do that. Get your simple and your SEP contributions in place. Definitely. Yeah, and there's some other items out there, too, you can do. Um, you know, you can do the, the how about the health savings account. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great one. And, and today, most people already have a high-deductible uh, medical policy. Yeah, a lot of plans are leaning that way now. Yeah, so they qualify, a lot of policies already qualify for that. If you can open a HSA account. Yeah, you know the HSA is the only account that is you get a tax break on the front end, and then when you pull it out, as long as it's used for medical, you don't have to pay any taxes on the gains. Right, so right. We have some folks that, that we know of that are using it for retirement. Yeah, it's an unbelievable tool. And, you know, it's also the only one that, that really has absolutely no income limits. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, you can make. So it's open to everyone. Then. You yes. can make $3 million a year and still contribute yeah. around $6,300 a year for a family. To a health savings account. Yeah, you got to have that. You've got to have the high deductible. That's the key. You have to have a qualifying plan, plan, medical plan. But you know, I mean, that's if you already have that plan in place, you need to make that contribution. You can do it all the way up to April fifteenth, and that comes right off of your gross income. It's an adjustment to your gross income. That's a beautiful tax deduction, and you can take the money out. I mean, like all the way up to you die, basically. And you can accumulate your your receipts for for expenses, medical expenses you had out of pocket. And those out-of-pocket expenses, they count. I mean, they don't have to be in the same calendar year. Mm -hmm. As long as you had the plan in place when you incurred the expense, after the plan was in place, you can accumulate all those, take it all out. So you can accumulate, I mean, $100,000 in this plan if you do it over time and it grows and get the right company. You can invest it. Yeah, most most plans allow you to put it uh, in uh, mutual funds. Yep. You know, to, to try to grow it over time. So that's a good one. I think a 529 is another yeah, opportunity. I, I think that's a great tool. Um, you know, if you have kids in college, there's there's uh, a very high limit, more than you'll want to put in the yeah, plan. Right. <clears throat> Unless they're going to 
Stanford or Yale, Yale or, or somewhere. <laughs> but Harvard. in South Carolina, it, you know, it does help your taxes. Uh, you can every dollar you put in there to lower your South Carolina income. You, know, you get it can definitely add up. Yeah, seven dollars for every hundred bucks you put in there. Georgia's not as generous. You get two thousand dollars, but um, that's right. Know, cer- certainly something to look at that you need to. You know, work with your CPA, your tax advisor on some of these. Make sure it fits what you're trying to do tax-wise before you go and, and write these checks. But there's some good opportunities here. There really is. I mean, you still have time to make some major impacts on your taxes here. So you need to take advantage of that. You know, make your retirement contribution if you haven't, if it's simple or a SEP. Um, make an IRA contribution if <clears throat> if that fits your individual situation. Talk to your CPA, tax accountant your financial advisor, you know, see what fits. But, you know, you want to get that done and, and uh, you know, stick it to the man, as we put it. <laughs> That's right. Make the yeah. most of it. Make the most of it. Okay. Well, that brings us to the close of this week's edition of Money MD with John, Steve, and Gordon. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. And email us your questions there. You can link to us. Uh, off the internet or you can uh, email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725 thanks happy new year material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice none of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and their information is available by contacting richard young associates a registered investment advisor security sold through independent financial group llc member of finra and sipc Everything I